0: The world that we live in is filled with chaos. We are all searching for meaning in our lives, but we often get lost along the way. We all must ultimately realize that meaning is found in responsibility for our actions, for the way we live our life, and for the people in our lives. We don't have to stay in the chaos. We can choose to bring order to our lives. Join us for a fresh perspective on the practical steps we can take to become who God intended us to be, and to realize what our calling is. This is Coming Out of Chaos. Welcome back to the Coming Out of Chaos podcast. My name is Michael Bocklig, I am your host, and I'm joined as always by my co-host and good friend, Bryce Kirk. How are things going, Bryce?
1: Things are going pretty well, Michael. It's good to see you again as well. Got a lot of exciting things coming up, of course, but uh, I'm excited to be back behind the mic talking to you and uh, all of our wonderful listeners out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We actually have some exciting events coming up in our diocese. The first one is just around the corner. The 2022 Domsey Fall Retreat is being hosted again by St. Ignatius Orthodox Church in Franklin, Tennessee, and that event will be taking place on September 9th and 10th, coming up here in a few weeks. And I, for one, am really looking forward to that retreat, Bryce. Yeah, me too.
1: Uh, Actually, it was the first retreat that I attended um, in this diocese. Oh, was it really? Yeah, yeah, in 2019. Wow. And um, it was uh, you, uh, your wife, and me, and a couple other guys from our parish in Arkansas, we all traveled out there to represent. And I mean, it was just a wonderful time, Um, the property out there in Franklin, if if you all haven't seen it, just Google St. Ignatius Church in Franklin, Tennessee. Gorgeous church. You know, last year um, was the first time we were kind of able to do everything back in person. That was the first event to kick everything off after the initial COVID wave, um, I guess the initial couple waves, because we had to cancel the um, Parish Life Conference that year. But we went back. Had a little bit of a delay getting everything started, but it was great to be back, see a lot of our old friends and meet some new ones. Um, You know, and we have this event coming up here in the next two weeks and time is just flying by. Like, you know, the time of this recording is the end of August and I still have last year's retreat fresh in my mind. So, you know, being able to be back there and again, seeing everybody and being able to experience the retreat, hear the speakers you know god willing it, it'll be a great time
0: yeah and i remember that first trip now that you mentioned it in 2019 when we went to the fall retreat together and we brought some guys with us and we did a lot of filming there at the retreat itself and it was one of our earliest in our tour video series and got some great video clips and we were able to kind of share some highlights of that retreat and and that video is on our youtube channel and it's one of our more popular videos that we've put up And uh, yeah, as you were talking about, it kind of brought back the memories. But now this is, I think you're right, it's the third time that we're going back to this great location, this beautiful church. And each time, you know, we have different speakers, different topics. And uh, for me, it just feels like it gets better and better. And Bryce, I know we've talked before about all of these spiritual retreats that we've done here in our diocese on a regular basis. And they've all just been such a memorable experience for me personally. And one of the things that I always look forward to is, especially at these in-person spiritual retreats is the amazing fellowship that takes place you know, it, it, again, it just seems to get better each time. I've just personally made so many friendships with people who have attended the fall and winter retreats in the Diocese of Miami in the Southeast. And it's always great to see those old friends again, as well as, you know, just make new friends with people I haven't met before. And it's so great for me to be able to deepen my relationships with the men and the women that I've met from across our diocese, and even just to be in the presence of those people who share my faith and who take their faith very seriously.
1: You know michael i really do want to focus on one of the last things that you said in deepening relationships with men and women across the diocese i think the really important part about a lot of these retreats is not just going to listen to talks although they are very beneficial and i think edifying um all across the board. you know i remember last year really wanting to take in everything that we had talked about um, and what we had heard from the speakers but really kind of being able to be in those situations with people whether it's at lunchtime or dinnertime, you know, sitting with your friends or sitting with a whole new group of people and talking to them or, you know, getting to talk to Bishop Nicholas or many of the priests and deacons from around our diocese, getting to learn about them, you know, where they come from, what they're thinking. Um, and I think importantly too, just kind of the small hours of it, you know, like so many times we've been in the hotel rooms and we've been in the lobbies, just catching up with people and laughing, you know, Yeah, kind of seeing how it's going for everybody and being able to really connect, you know, and one thing that we, not to focus on COVID too much, but one thing that I think we all realize about it and I think we all struggled with was we couldn't be with the people that we were with all the time because of it. Yeah. You know, we were doing a lot of things behind computer screens um, and for what it's worth, you know, I think we did a good job with that, but Nothing replaces in-person conversation with somebody else.
0: Yeah. And the computer screens really got old.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. You know, kind of hard on my eyes to say the least. (laughs) Right. But, you know, like when we were at the Parish Life Conference in June, um, you know, in Memphis, just getting to sit down and talk to people like that's the best thing about it to me is being able to just connect with everybody. Um, You know, and for me, I go to the young adult events as well as the Antiochian men events. And so, being able to be around a bunch of different people with a bunch of different backgrounds, all there for a similar reason, you know. In my whole life, I've been looking for people that were similar to me, and these are the places where I think I found it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a lot of exciting things on the schedule for the upcoming fall retreat, including, as you mentioned, some great talks. There'll be some great fellowship events. We'll have worship services together, and and even some workshops. And, and Bryce, you and I happen to be on the schedule for one of the workshops. We're actually going, That's to, right. yeah, we're, we're actually going to be doing a Coming Out of Chaos podcast recording with a live audience there at St. Ignatius Church. We're on the schedule for Saturday, September the 10th, and plan to record an episode on the topic of the importance of brotherhood in the church. This is definitely the first time we've ever done anything like this, and I'm really excited for that opportunity
1: yeah you know one thing about the podcast I think, which thank God we're able to do it yeah. um, in the first place but you know it's really it has changed since we began you know it it began with you and I kind of recording with mics uh we didn't have pop filters the first time yeah that's right (laughs) so it's a lot of you know you hear every little thing about it then we get the pop filters you know we michael i gotta say our uh our production value keeps going up man we're doing good there.
0: Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I do. <laughs> I do think there's some of our listeners now that are going to go back to that first episode, and they're probably going to be listening for those pops because they are in there. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know. And I think the important thing about it, and this might be a life lesson as well, is you never perfect at anything the first time you try it, unless you're <laughs> very blessed to, you know, yeah, to be able to be that way. But um, I, I think you know, being able to learn more about ourselves through this process as well you know, when we, when we get these scripts ready, you know, when we kind of think of topics, it really does challenge the both of us to, you know, really go back on our experiences and look at those things and, you know, where we're at. Um, I remember one of our first episodes, we were doing the series on the uh, article from uh, Frederica Matthews Green. Yeah. um, On why men love or why Orthodox men love church. Right. And, you know, I was going back and remembering my first time in St. Nicholas Church. You know, I remember my first time after being chrismated serving in the altar. You know, I remember all of that and the importance of all of it just comes back to you. And in these recent episodes, being able to talk about topics like spiritual warfare, being able to have all the people that we've had on, yeah, being able to talk to them, you know, you and I are not spectators in these things, but it's just as edifying to see it.
0: Yeah, we're along for the ride, even with our listeners, because we're learning as we do this Absolutely. along with them, I think. That's one of the most beautiful things to me as well. Uh-huh. And you know, we're lay people, right?
1: Like it's uh it's a blessing, you know, and then getting to this point where we're at, um, being able to talk at the fall retreat, you know, doing the podcast there live. Yeah. Like that's that's been a dream of mine since I was a kid, actually. When I was young, I really wanted to be an ESPN sportscaster.
0: Hey, there you go,
1: doing college football Saturdays. You know, doing doing game day. You know, up there like Lee Corso and Kirk Herb Street.
0: Yeah, the live interaction that that's what makes it fun to watch things like that, right?
1: Right, right. And and this isn't this isn't the same. No, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's definitely you know it, it's definitely a, a dream come true, and being able to share that experience with other people as well. Um, and just the experience as a whole, I think will be very beneficial. God willing, you
0: know? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great though, if we could kind of replicate the game day environment, you have people at St. Ignatius holding up signs in the background, right?
1: (laughs) That would be a, that'd be a first.
0: Yeah. I wonder what those signs would say. I'm not too sure, but, uh, it's it's a good thought. Maybe one day we can do something like that. Well, we also have another big event coming up that I wanted to talk about in our diocese, and it's one that's specific to the Antiochian men. The fourth annual Amen virtual retreat is scheduled for Saturday, November the 19th, 2022, and the theme of that retreat is centered on the book God is a Man of War, the Problem of Violence in the Old Testament by Father Stephen DeYoung. Our virtual retreats over the last couple of years have been very successful and they've moved to kind of a format with these retreats that works really well, in my opinion, where we have a book discussion in the morning and then we have a guest speaker event in the afternoon. We've titled the morning events at these virtual retreats Books, Breakfast, and Brotherhood, which is kind of a catchy title. And the Amen Chapter President from St. Ignatius Church, Eric Beard, will be leading the book discussion for this upcoming retreat on November 19th. And it's going to start at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time that day. And then Father Stephen DeYoung, the author of the book, will be speaking on the theme of his book starting at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And the great thing about this kind of an event is that really any of the men in our diocese can attend and participate by simply logging into the Zoom meeting. And we've had several events like this in the past, and they've gone very well. If any of our listeners are interested in attending this virtual retreat that's coming up, make sure that you go to our website at antiochianmen.org and sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the page if you haven't already. We're actually going to be sending out the Zoom link for the virtual retreat in our email newsletter closer to the event.
1: You know, I really do think that these retreats, you know, virtually they've been, they've been a success, you know, cause we've had all different types of people hosting, right? Like we've had our very own Kevin Shearer, Father Hans, Father Paul Gerges, Father John Braun, Father Stephen Young, and Father Andrew Stephen Damick, right? Like, these are all in my opinion, pretty heavy hitters, Yeah, you know, and they've either written very good books or they've led excellent discussions. And, you know, in my mind, I go back to the last one that we did, um, which was a rise. O God, um, by father Andrew, Stephen Damick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I have a bad habit of not reading the book before we do the talk.
2: Oh, you let that slip. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: that being said, um, just, you know, the depth of these talks, it's, it goes very deep. And then, you know, getting to hear from guys from all around the diocese, you know, what they saw when they were reading the questions that they ask, the information that they want to know, um, man, just, I think it's inspirational for people to go back and look at it, you know, um, inspirational might not be the right word. I do think it's edifying, you know, and (laughs) Thank God um, we have these things on the YouTube channel, right? So you can always go back and look at them. It also makes me think of the Bible study that Father Stephen DeYoung does for us once a month. Um, you know, being able to go back and look at those, listen to those while you're on your way to work or while you're doing homework or on your walk or whatever. Like, there's so much out there. And that's part of the depth of orthodoxy, I think, and being able to kind of get your hands on these things and being able to pay attention, being able to participate. Uh, that's really important.
0: Yeah, Bryce, and I'm glad you you reminded everyone that they can find a lot of those guest speaker events or every single one of them on our YouTube channel. But one thing I should remind everyone is we never record the book discussions that happen in the mornings. So the only way to benefit from those is to show up for the Zoom meeting live and engage in the discussion along with us. And I've said this before, I really think that those book discussions have been some of my favorite Antiochian men events that I've participated in to date.
1: Yeah, it's been good that the discussions themselves are not recorded because sometimes a lot of our guys, you know, sometimes the men will they'll kinda of get vulnerable, they'll get personal with their stories, um, with their questions, with their comments, and you know, the best thing about that is that there's trust between everybody. Right. You know, like I don't know half the people personally. I may know most of them by name, but you know, them taking the taking the step, going out on the limb like that, being able to just talk candidly, you know, and say, this is, this is what's going on. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. I think that takes a degree of courage, right?
0: Yeah, and we don't want to put anybody in a bad situation where they're worried about it kind of showing up on the Internet. So, you know, thank God we've been able to share the, the guest speaker talks, and we've kept those book discussions uh, not recorded. And so I hope that a lot of the men listening to this podcast will join us for our next virtual retreat on November the 19th. And God willing, it'll be another wonderful event for the men in our diocese. Well, Bryce, in our last episode, we started to talk about the topic of spiritual warfare. And as we expected, we barely scratched the surface on that topic. So we're going to dive right back in. Last time, we established the fact that this is war, and we need to take it seriously. But before anyone engages in warfare, it's good to have a battle plan and an understanding of the lay of the land. If a soldier has no idea what the battlefield is going to look like and where the attacks are likely to come from he will be much less likely to be successful in battle. Bryce, you said in our last episode that an enemy army or an enemy general would love it if his opposing soldiers came into battle without any type of equipment or training, right?
1: Yeah. So, you know, if you're going into battle with, against anybody, uh, if they're not properly trained, if they're not properly armed, right, it's probably going to be a cakewalk. What this does make me think of is when I played high school basketball, Uh, You know, I played the first two years of school. I ended up playing varsity, and that was pretty intense both years. And I remember getting ready before the season, you know, in preseason. We met with our coach in September. Keep in mind, the season doesn't start till November in high school sports. Right. And, you know, we're getting ready to go. I remember playing in middle school. You know, we'd do a little bit of conditioning, do a little bit of running, whatever, and then we were going to play. But, that wasn't enough. So we would do these things called 32, 21, 14, 7, 3, 1, where we would run the entire 90 foot of basketball court. 32 times, then 21 times, then 14 times, then 7 times, then 3 times, then 1 time, back to back to back. Wow. This was day one. <laughs> And I'm a high school freshman, you know. I'm I'm just trying to make the team. Right. And we're doing these things to get ready. We play our first game, and our coach, he decides to put down not just rebounds, not just assists, not just points scored, but every time we grabbed our shorts. Anytime we grabbed our shorts, he'd write it down, and he'd make us run and practice the next time. Uh. So what's the point of this? The point is that the next game we lost, but we were all prepared. We all came in. We gave it everything that we had. We knew what we needed to do. You know, We knew where we needed to be on the floor, practicing offenses. Everybody knew their role, right? Everybody knew who they needed to defend. They were ready to go. And I think you know this relates to our topic of spiritual warfare in the sense that you can't just go in to a basketball game, to a basketball season rather, jogging around the basketball court a few times Once, once or twice a week. Right. Yeah. You got to really invest in it. And I think the same thing too, is we're going to kind of get blindsided by things. You know, our thoughts are going to come up when we least expect them to, they might try to take control of what we're thinking, but there are things that we can do to prepare for that beforehand.
0: Yeah, and and what you said is a great analogy. I, I personally didn't play basketball, but I've mentioned before that I did play football. And I remember back when I was playing football, we would spend a lot of time in meeting rooms or on the field just reviewing what our game plan would be for the next opponent. And that often meant trying to anticipate the strategy that the team we were facing would use to try to exploit our weaknesses. Again, I think this is this translates really well into the topic of spiritual warfare. In our last episode, we talked a lot about thoughts and how they can invade our minds. I also brought up the concept of the noose in my closing comments of that episode. I'd like to pick up where we left off with this concept that our thoughts are not necessarily self-generated and that they come to us primarily from the spiritual world. We mentioned last time that this was something that Father Andrew Stephen Damick talked about in the Lord of Spirits crossover podcast episode that we did earlier this year, I want to play an audio clip of his exact words on this topic. Let's listen to what he said.
2: A great example, for instance, we've talked about the noose a number of times on the, on the show. And if you read what the church fathers say, the noose is treated like a sensory organ, right? And if you understand that idea that the noose is something that receives thoughts, and that thoughts come from the spiritual world primarily, then when you read scripture talking about having the mind of Christ, or you you, you read the scripture talking about uh, having the renewing of your mind, then that gives you a di- very different framework than the sort of purely psychological one that a lot of us experience it on, which is to say, well, I just keep having these thoughts, there must be something wrong with me, right? Where we have this understanding that thoughts are purely internally generated, Whereas the patristic understanding, the liturgical, the scriptural understanding about thoughts is that they're not necessarily internally generated, that a lot of them are coming from the outside, whether it's other spiritual beings or you're just observing things, whatever, and that your mind is actually a a receptive organ rather than a sort of a computer in a box. Right. That's just one example of how um, a fuller framework for understanding not just the human person, but the world in general Uh, can, can be applied such that it's actually become salvific for us. And we actually are no longer addicted to a particular experience that we, we think we should be having, or that we, we want to keep having um, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I really do want to focus on uh, one part of this quote to start off,
2: um,
1: which if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and check it out. It's when we, That our Lord of Spirits crossover um, with Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Father Stephen DeYoung. Um, The thing that I want to focus on is the renewing of your mind and the experience that we have when it comes to I just keep having these thoughts. There must be something wrong with me, which I really do think in our modern world, you know, in our Western world, maybe it's an American thing, but you know, we, we come to believe that because these thoughts enter our mind or we have an inclination to have these thoughts or entertain these thoughts at times that there is something wrong with us. And that's not necessarily the case. Right. And, you know, Father Andrew talking about the noose right now, um, it, it being a sensory organ. Now, what is the noose? I think for maybe some of our newer listeners or maybe the, uh, Non-orthodox listeners, um, it's an unfamiliar term, right? And I think at times, you know, I I can't explain it myself. But fortunately enough, we have the definition from the Philokalia, which uh, states that the nous is the highest faculty in man, through which, provided it is purified, he knows God or the inner essence or principles of created things by means of direct apprehension or spiritual perception. The noose does not function by formulating abstract concepts and then arguing on this basis to a conclusion reached through deductive reasoning, but it understands divine truth by means of an immediate experience, intuition, or simple cognition.
0: Yeah, Bryce, and this concept of the noose is so important if we want to understand how to engage in spiritual warfare well. According to St. Gregory in Palamas in the Philokalia, Volume 4, The intellectual activity, consisting of thought and intuition, is called noose, and the power that activates thought and intuition is likewise the noose, and this power the Holy Scripture also calls the heart. It is because the heart is preeminent among our inner powers that our soul is deiform. The noose is also the ability to partake and unite with God. Elsewhere, it is called the capability of theoria, or vision of God. It is exactly the same thing. For one to see God is to be united with God. That is why according to patristic terminology, it is called the eye of the soul, the noetic eye or theoretic eye or rational part of the soul. So like Father Andrew said in that clip we listened to, the noose really is like a sensory organ that receives thoughts from the spiritual world, and thoughts aren't always sent to us from God. We can have thoughts that lead to temptations and ultimately to sin
1: yeah michael what you just said reminds me of a quote from saint macarius of optina this quote is taken from living without hypocrisy spiritual counsels of the holy elders of optina saint macarius said the thoughts that vex and annoy us have many distinctions a provocation or an attack of thought is not a sin but is a test of our free will to what it is inclined to the thought or to the opposition of it however When there is agreement and communion with these passions, it is considered to be a sin, and repentance is needed. He who does not have the strength to oppose them himself must hasten to God, cast down his infirmity, and implore his help and the help of the Mother of God. When someone is conquered by thoughts, it is a sign that pride preceded them, and therefore he must humble himself more.
0: Wow. Two things really stood out to me in that quote, Bryce. First off, St. Macarius's wording that he uses for the thoughts that vex or annoy us, he says a provocation or an attack of a thought. You know, this speaks to the primary way that we come under fire on the battlefield of spiritual warfare through the attack of thoughts. The other thing that stands out is the last part, where he talks about pride preceding the thoughts that conquer us, and that humility is the best defense. And this goes back to one of the things we talked about in a past episode titled When Demons Attack, where we discussed how having humility undoes demonic attacks. And we have to remember who the true enemy is. There's a great quote from Saint Nikon of Optina that speaks directly to this point, and it's a very short and simple quote. He once said, quote, we must consider all evil things, even the passions which war against us, to be not our own, but of our enemy, the devil. This is very important. You can only conquer a passion when you do not consider it as part of you. Unquote.
1: One of the things also that stood out to me from the Saint Macarius quote is that you know pride precedes the fall, right? Um, when you become overcome by these things, when you entertain them to the point that you embrace them, mm. right? it can feel at times or you may think that it is a part of you that you cannot separate yourself from it. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to fighting these things, I think what we have to do and and what we should try to do. And, and I've tried to do this myself is, you know, standing before God in prayer and acknowledging that, you know, I, I cannot do this myself. My willpower can only go so far. And hastening to God in prayer, asking him for help, you know, asking the saints for help is extremely important in these situations. And being humble enough to realize that we do need God's help, and only when we walk in the divine energies of God, that we can overcome the assaults from the devil.
0: Yeah, that's so true, Bryce. And the assaults from the devil often manifest in the form of temptations. I know that I've faced many temptations in my life, and the devil knows what kinds of temptations that men are most susceptible to. One obvious example is sexual temptations, and we've talked a lot about that in past episodes. We've talked about how American culture has become so overly sexualized in our day and age. I'd like to read an excerpt from a book, Thoughts for Each Day of the Year According to the Daily Church Readings from the Word of God, which was written by St. Theophon the Recluse. This is a bit of a long excerpt, but just bear with me because there's a lot of depth and richness to it. Here's the excerpt. The devil approaches the God-man with temptations. Who among men is free of them? He who goes according to the will of the evil one does not experience attacks, but is simply turned more and more towards evil. As soon as one begins to come to himself and intends to begin a new life according to God's will, immediately the entire satanic realm enters into action. They hasten to scatter good thoughts and the intentions of the repentant one in any way that they can. If they do not manage to turn him aside, they attempt to hinder his good repentance and confession. If they do not manage to do that, they contrive to sow terrors amidst the fruits of repentance and disrupt his labors of cleansing the heart. If they do not succeed in suggesting evil, they attempt to distort the truth. If they are repulsed inwardly, they attack outwardly, and so on until the end of one's life. They do not even let one die in peace. Even after death, they pursue the soul until it escapes the aerial space where they hover and congregate. You ask, what should we do? It is hopeless and terrifying. For a believer, there is nothing terrifying here because near a God-fearing man, demons only busy themselves, but they do not have any power over him. A sober man of prayer shoots arrows against them, and they stay far away from him, not daring to approach and fearing the defeat which they have already experienced. If they succeed in something, it is due to our blundering. We slacken our attention, or allow ourselves to be distracted by their phantoms, and they immediately come and disturb us more boldly. If you do not come to your senses in time, they will whirl you about. But if a soul does come to its senses, they again recoil and spy from afar to see whether it is possible to approach again somehow. So be sober, watch, and pray, and the enemies will do nothing to you. Wow. Well,
1: there's a lot there.
0: That's a good one, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that really, I think, brings things into perspective, right? If if they haven't been before, you know, reading that now, hearing you say that, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's really stirring in me, right? Because I do think that there's times when, we begin to, um, think that we're not being attacked or, you know, Oh, everything's going great right now. Yeah. That means there's not a problem, but at times that means we're already in their grips right? and we can't escape. Right. It may hinder the repentance that we've already had because, you know, we, we, <laughs> we tend to, uh, we may become prideful in, in, in how we've been repenting, right? We may be overcoming a certain temptation or, you know, resisting it for sure, but falling into other temptations because of our pride.
0: Yeah. And for me, you know, this may be kind of a corny analogy, but it, it can often feel like I'm playing a game of whack-a-mole <laughs> when I'm trying to repent for my sins, right? Because, you know, when I sincerely repent from one thing, something else flares up that I need to address, And that whole process can really be exhausting. I think this speaks to the part of the excerpt I read where it says, what should we do? It's hopeless and terrifying. You know, I know what that feels like. I've had thoughts like that before. You know, I bet a lot of our listeners can relate to that too, but the truth is it's not hopeless. And we have to keep that in mind. We are going to be attacked relentlessly and we have to expect that. Just like on the battlefield of any war, you know, if we take out one threat, we need to expect that there will be others, and not allow ourselves to fall into a false sense of security.
1: You know, there's a saying, Michael: the more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in war. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. And you know what? Wh- what I think about that is, while we prepare for things, we don't we don't ever seek these things out. We don't ever attempt to test ourselves beyond what we can fathom, and we certainly don't ever attempt to test God, right? But (laughs) we do need to be prepared for what's coming, right? And, you know, mentioning St. Theophon, saying that a sober man of prayer shoots arrows against them and they stay far away from him, not daring to approach and fearing the defeat which they have already experienced. And we've talked about this before, especially when we talked about St. Paisius, when he likened the beads of a prayer rope the bullets in a machine gun that knocked down the demons. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, I think this reinforces what we've said about the demons knowing that they have already been defeated. Yeah. You know, and, and we've heard that before. And Christ defeated the demons through his death and resurrection, and they know that they've lost. So when we're actively and humbly, and that's the key, I think, there especially is humility, because that's a virtue that the devil cannot replicate. Is humility when we engage in prayer? uh, They can't really do anything to us, you know, they just busy themselves, they just kind of buzz around.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and another big takeaway that I took from that is, you know, if the demons succeed, it's due to our blundering. I really love that part. And that again, that takes me back to my experience playing football. And after we lost a game, if my team lost, You know, we'd be watching film the next day. The coach would often say, we beat ourselves due to the mistakes that we made. And Mm -hmm. and it was really always true. I remember even before the season started, our coach would show us the schedule for the upcoming football season, and he would tell us there's only one team that could beat us on our schedule, and that team was us. And it may sound just like a cliche, but there's a lot of truth to that, and it's very transferable to this topic. You know, the church gives us all of the tools that we need to be successful They give us the full toolbox, as you've called it, Bryce. And if we slacken our attention or allow ourselves to be distracted, you know, we kind of open ourselves up to attack and we embolden the enemy. We embolden the demons. And there's one more thing that I'd like to focus on from that excerpt that I read from St. Theophon the Recluse. And it's the part that says, referring to the demons that, quote, they don't even let one die in peace. Even after death, they pursue the soul until it escapes the aerial space where they hover and congregate, unquote. You know, when Bryce and I were researching this topic, we came across a couple of quotes that speak directly to this aspect of spiritual warfare with what happens when we die. Here's a very thought-provoking quote from St. Theonastos taken from On the Practice of the Virtues in the Philokalia, Volume 2. Quote, When the soul leaves the body, the enemy advances to attack it, fiercely reviling it and accusing it of its sins in a harsh and terrifying manner. The devout soul, however, even though in the past it has often been wounded by sin, is not frightened by the enemy's attacks and threats, strengthened by the Lord, winged by joy, filled with courage by the holy angels that guide it, and encircled and protected by the light of faith, It answers the enemy with great boldness. Fugitive from heaven, wicked slave, what have I to do with you? You have no authority over me. Christ, the Son of God, has authority over me and over all things. Against him have I sinned. Before him shall I stand on trial, having his precious cross as a sure pledge of his saving love towards me. Flee from me, destroyer. You have nothing to do with the servants of Christ. When the soul says all this fearlessly, the devil turns back, howling aloud and unable to withstand the name of Christ. Then the soul swoops down on the devil from above, attacking him like a hawk attacking a crow. After this, it is brought rejoicing by the holy angels to the place appointed for it in accordance with its inward state.
1: Wow. Again, another one that just really hits at home, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it really does. It really paints such just a clear picture, and in a way, it's a terrifying picture, but it's also a beautiful picture if if looked at through the correct lens, right?
1: Yeah. Initially, you could look at it with helplessness. You could look at it with you know fear that shocks you to a point that you know <laughs> kind of would destroy your confidence, right? But here we have an example of heroism. I think, you know, courage, valor, confidence, like all of these things, all of these virtues that really stand apart, you know, that blatantly saying, boldly saying, you have no authority over me.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Christ, the Son of God, has authority over me and over all things, and against him have I sinned, right? Before him shall I stand. He is the judge. You know, we say in the liturgy, we say in, I think, most of our services that we will stand before the judgment seat, right? We say in the creed, he will come again. He is the one who says what's going on. He's the one who has the final say, right? And, you know, I I think it does speak to the fact that if we have engaged well in our spiritual warfare during the course of our lives in this world, the virtues that we've acquired will become so much a part of us. That they will carry us through the demonic assaults that even happen after our death, in the enemy's last ditch attempt to try and prevent us from entering into the kingdom of God.
0: Yeah, and I I keep thinking about the image that's given at the end of that quote. You know, the soul swooping down on the devil from above. You know, attacking him like a hawk attacking a crow. That's such a vivid picture. The imagery to me, though, is it's also very inspiring. It should fill all of us with a lot of hope. And it also makes clear what the battle plan should be in this life so we can live eternally with God in the next life. I've got one more quote for you, Bryce, and for those listening, and this is a really good one. Here's a quote from St. Basil the Great that further emphasizes this point. Quote, the dying person, knowing only that there is only one Savior and Liberator, cries out, in thee have I put my hope, save me from my weakness, and rescue me from captivity. For I think that the valiant athletes of God, after having kept up the good fight, the whole course of their existence against the invisible enemies and escaping every trap, when they arrive at life's end, are examined by the prince of this world. If they are found following the battle to still have some wounds, stains, or remnants of sin, are detained by him. However, if they are to the contrary whole and untainted, these invincible heroes remain free and are admitted by Christ to the place of rest. Unquote. You know, Bryce, that quote really sums up what our battle plan should be. Our goal is to finish strong. It isn't enough to try really hard for a while and then to give up when we start to feel some resistance to our efforts. We really must power through. Our goal is to fight like a man, to fight as a strong warrior until our last breath. We fight evil through our extreme repentance in this life we come to church to be healed of our wounds, to remove the stains and the remnants of sin from our baptismal garment. Then, after our last breath, we will become invincible heroes that the devil and his demons have no claim over, and we are ultimately admitted by Christ to an eternal place of rest. In the Orthodox Church, there is a special prayer that our priests read for those who are close to death. It is called the Canon of the Supplication at the Parting of the Soul and it's found on page 77 of the Great Book of Needs. That prayer reads, Count me worthy to pass unhindered by the persecutor, the prince of the air, the tyrant, him that stands guard in the dread pathways, and the false accusation of these as I depart from earth.
1: You know, Michael, over the course of this discussion, I've really been thinking about the iconography of the church. Especially the resurrection icon of Christ. When you see him standing victorious over the smashed gates of hell, pulling those from the tombs out of them. You see him in his bright clothes. You see the colors. You see death being defeated in front of your eyes. And when we read the Paschal homily of St. John Chrysostom, that Hades was embittered. They took a body and didn't realize that it was Christ who defeated them. You know, I think when we come to the end of the line, you know, when when we've ran the race and we've completed it, there's hope for us in the end. And we've been given this life for repentance and we shouldn't waste it. And each and every day being conscious of what's being thrown at us, the thoughts that we are assailed with, the temptations that we may have, our situation may look bleak, But trying and trying again, repenting again, you know, we've said before, we're all going to fall on our faces, but that doesn't mean we stay there. doesn't mean we give up. There's no courage in that. These may seem like pretty small things. You know, it's not a grandiose battle sequence from a Star Wars movie or Lord of the Rings or whatever you may want to watch. You know, it, it doesn't always look just like that. There's not always this grand reveal at the end, but what there is, is a fight. And these fights, again, they may seem small, but we keep pushing forward. You know, the last thing that I want to bring attention to is from the canon to our sweetest Lord Jesus Christ, the final prayer, cleanse me of all sin before the end for frightful and terrible is the place that I must pass through when I have been separated from this body. And a multitude of stark and inhuman demons awaiteth me, and there is no one to come to my help or deliver me.
0: Those are some really good thoughts and a beautiful conclusion to this episode. Thank you, Bryce. That is our show for today. Thank you all for joining us for this episode of Coming Out of Chaos. Please remember to check out our website at antiochianmen.org to learn more about our organization. We also have many videos available that can be found on that website as well as on our Amen YouTube channel. Also, don't
1: forget to subscribe to this podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, just to name a few. So be sure to follow us on the platform of your choice. We'd also appreciate a positive review if the platform allows you to do so. Please share this podcast with your friends and help us to spread the word about it.
0: Thanks to everyone who's been sending us great feedback on these podcast episodes. If anyone would like to send us any feedback, just send an email to amendomsy at gmail.com. That's A-M-E-N-D-O-M-S-E at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments for us.
1: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.